This is the Davison Beetle Podcast. All right, it's been a while. Time for the Davison Beetle Podcast. I'm Davis. He's Beetle. Hello, Beetle. How are you? Hope you had a wonderful uh, New Year's weekend. I did. Yeah. Happy Happy 2023 to you. It seems pretty crazy that we're in 2023, <laughs> but but yeah, we had a fun time. We uh, uh, got to go partake in the uh, festivities with the uh, barstool fellas down at the Arizona Bowl. Uh, they put on a pretty entertaining party. They did. I, I will give them credit. It was. Uh, I didn't know what to expect with those knuckleheads running the show, but uh, they did a pretty good job with it. And I didn't see the broadcast or anything like that. I heard it was uh, interesting, but <laughs> but <laughs> but they did put on a good uh, a good tailgate, a fun time. You know, when it comes to those bowl games, they're you know the the lower tier bowls, if you will, where there's not much on the line. You kind of got to put on a good good show and a good party and they did it was fun we had a great time so did you run into the uh the big man dave portnoy was he there never uh i know he was there i never ran into the, the portnoy but a lot of those and i don't do i don't follow the the barstool guys real close uh i know you know who a few of them are and stuff like that but there was a bunch of them there yeah and they were kind of running around the tailgate a handful of them and there was a there was a you know prep rally party the night before and there were some people hanging out at that too. But, uh, yeah, I don't, it was just unique. I thought, uh, from the standpoint of, you know, usually you have like this title sponsor bowl game and, you know, it's all everything, everything about that title sponsor is plastered over everything. And, you know, they typically do a, a, a tailgate and a, and a pep rally and stuff like that. And it was, it was pretty laid back for the most part, but, uh, they did a they did a nice job with the pregame festivities. It was a little bit different. Uh, what I can't remember what his real name is, but he, they call him the Big Cat. He's the one that sang the national anthem, and you're like, oh no, you know, you don't you don't want to make a mockery of it, right? Right. And, yeah, I remember Roseanne so, Barr. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so I was like, oh, this could be interesting. And while it was entertaining and definitely a little more whimsical it was not a mockery it was actually really well done it's kind of goofy but it was but it was respectful and it was it was very well done from the standpoint of the you know they had they had some uh, paratroopers jumping in and carrying flags and stuff like that so well like i said while it was a little bit different and, and not as official as uh, many of these events become when it comes to the, the branding of them uh, it was fun it was entertaining there was some some things to keep an eye on that you know, made it a little more laid back and relaxed. I think it was fun and people enjoyed it. And there was a heck of a crowd there. Well, I was surprised. It was, uh, uh, especially for the Wyoming folks, that was a, that was a really good showing for them. I mean, that's, uh, that was, I was impressed with the, with the crowd and the atmosphere. It was fun. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad that was a, a great experience. And yeah, with Barstool, I, I, I admire what they do. I, you know, I yeah. don't, you know, they're, the way they present things sometimes, not my thing, you know, but, they, but it works for them and it works for people that consume their product. And so it's, it's cool that, uh, to hear that they, they went there and did a good job with it. So uh, let's start out with DeMar Hamlin, the Buffalo Bills safety, as we record this on a Thursday, uh, yeah. he is, uh, he's conscious. Uh, he did write, I believe, or communicated through writing. Did we win? Uh, and it was told by his doctor, you won. Uh, since he has come out of uh, sedation and um, after the the cardiac arrest that he had on Monday night, and so some some good signs for that. But we've seen 
Remember when we saw it, I think everybody, whether they were broadcasting or more importantly on the field that night, how everybody handled that, I thought with a lot of class. That yeah, being said, and, think- and, 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 and that being said, the days after that, eh, I'm, I'm not so sure that we've seen a, um, a, 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 a necessarily classy, but a, a lot of people with a lot of, of opinions, which we're going to throw some of ours out here in just a moment. Um, but I, I guess my thought is this, that number one, most important thing, I'm glad he's doing well, glad he's recovering. That's the thing that we all agree on and, and care about and should be the only thing that matters. Number two, the reaction of people like Joe, Joy Behar on The View of nobody should ever play football again. No kid should ever play football ever again. Uh, they should, everybody should golf and play tennis. And, the, the, you know, this kind of approach to things. I, I just, you know, to me, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's hot takes, uh, for particularly from somebody that's not, not associated with football or sports. And this is a rare time when we're referencing the view on anything that we do, but you have that and you have Bart Scott, who in his own, not, not direct, but, but pretty close, uh, you know, accusation that, that, that T Higgins contributed to what happened to DeMar Hamlin with lowering his shoulder and his head on a play that let's be honest, we see that play all the time. And it wasn't like T Higgins lowered his head and ran, you know, ran at DeMar Hamlin from 10 yards away and, and hit him in the chest. It, it just, to me, it's, it, it was a, a freakish play an outlier that while take, it should have been taken seriously. It was handled the way it should have been. They shouldn't have played that night. All those things I agree with. But let's settle down. If we're if this is the thing that's going to make people go, oh, you know, and, and moms around America, wow, wow, can't can't have my kid play football. Well, then kids shouldn't play baseball because you know this. Right. Remember, remember the heart guard and what a big deal the heart oh, guard yeah. was. Were there kids that, that that took line drives to the chest, and all of a sudden, lots of parents were buying heart guards, and and we were among those when when Nick was younger that you know were concerned about that that kind of situation of a line drive stopping the heart of a, of a youth baseball player. We we've seen this happen before. To me, if you're concerned about your kid playing football, okay, head injuries, things like that. I, I get that. I understand that, but this shouldn't be, this isn't the thing that everybody should be going. Well, this is why kids shouldn't play football. This is why nobody should play football. This could have, could have happened to anybody. And it has, it's happened in other sports, most notably baseball. Yeah. And, and I just, you know, I, I think that the notion of, of, oh, well, we shouldn't be playing this game or it's too dangerous or anything like that. Well, okay, go ahead. That's, that's, if that's the way you feel, then you're right. You shouldn't be playing anything. But uh, that's kind of the, the whole crux of all this. Like, nobody would do anything if it was, if, if we were calculating all the possibilities as to why you do or don't do something. You'd never get off the couch. You would never do Absolutely. anything. You, would, you wouldn't jump in your car. You wouldn't ride a bike. You wouldn't climb a mountain. You wouldn't, you know, go, you wouldn't do anything. So, so, I mean, I think that that's the, the stupid knee jerk reaction. That's, that's not thought out. That's not process. That's just somebody saying something because they, they want to be the outrageous one or they want to be the anti voice. And, and so, mm. you know, when it comes to those opinions, it's like, you know, that I, I think that, you know, we just don't, we don't have a, a, a show or a platform if, if you don't have people that 
say those types of things. So everybody no, agrees true. on everything. Exactly. Need Chris for I, the mill. Yeah. Yeah. We just sit here and, 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 you know, mull over. I don't know what to, the, just the stats of the game or something like that. So I get it. Whatever. If that's the way people like Joy Behar feel, if there's others out there that feel that, that's fine. Don't play. It's not, it's really not for you. Yeah. The other thing that cracked me up too was the, well, it's all, it's the toxic masculinity of heterosexual men yeah. making their boys it's play. It's, yeah. it's conservatives making their, their young sons play. And it's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, I know plenty of people that are not conservatives. They, they want their kids play football. They, they yeah. like football. Uh, let's, let's not, you know, let's not fall into this trap of let's paint everything with a political brush. I don't think every, every dad is some testosterone fueled. You gotta, you gotta live up to my legacy or, or have the legacy that I, I never had. I, I think, you know, are there those cases? Yes. You see that in what you've done with youth baseball in the past. And, and, and I just, you see that in every sport. It's not, it's not a football specific thing. I just think, man, we're throwing a lot of generalities around, around football. If you're concerned about your kid playing football because of head trauma. Okay. But where's the, you know, but that's the thing that should be. And a lot of people are, are, are past that and okay with that for the most part, most part, yeah. for the most part. I, I, you know, to me, this, this is the thing that all of a sudden everybody like, Oh, football's too dangerous. Well, yeah. what about other things that have happened in, in terms of CTE and concussion? And we've, like I said on our local show today, football's never been safer to play than now. And in terms of helmet technology, what we know about concussions and CTE, that it's never been safer to play. Now, it has not helped the NFL. The, the, to me, the Tua Tonga Viola thing, if you want to go you know, nuts about you know, football not being safe and things like that, then hang your hat on that. Not this, not something yeah. that we've seen happen in other sports, particularly to kids playing youth baseball that, you know, I, I, I want DeMar Hamlin to have a recovery. And if he chooses to play football again, great. But I, I hope you understand where I'm going here with this. If this is what everybody's outraged, you know, that where the outrage comes from this moment, then what about the other stuff in football that apparently people have, Somehow, not so for some reason, the Joy Behar's of the world haven't really paid attention to. Yeah, well, I think you know, to me, that's the the focus is in the wrong place. There, you yeah. know, what we should all understand that something like this can happen in in any sport, let alone football, but any sport uh, you can have this. I mean, we and and you you can bring up a million examples. You know, you can you can bring up Hank Gathers and basketball. You can bring up all the all the. Chris Pronger, Chris Chris Pronger in '89, it was in a playoff game, and puck hit him in the chest, and it stopped his heart. Right. So there's a million examples of of the things that can happen, and why you could be scared to do something. But to me, you know, the 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 focus should be on look at look at what was accomplished too. I mean, you had a a group of people that acted so quickly, yes, and, and. so decisively and so well that it looks like this this guy's going to make a recovery. So, you know, if they hadn't had those things in place for the safety of these guys, for the for the you know the, the trainers, the doctors, the the physicians that are you know consulting and all that stuff, all the things that go into all this stuff every year, if we don't have those things in place, I don't think we're telling the same story right now. 
and those things evolve and they and they get better every year and they have more information that they work with every year and those people get kind of go unnoticed and they don't really do it for recognition or anything like that they do it because they enjoy being around the sport and, and the athletes they do it because that's their way of of servicing or or helping in in those areas and stuff like that so that's pretty much in my opinion what the story should be about is wow the system that we have in place saved this dude and that's not really being talked about a whole lot you know you hear it mentioned here and there but man that was incredible to watch it was it was terrifying it was gut-wrenching and in the middle of it you have this group of people that they they were not you know they just were unflappable they they did what they were supposed to do so you know pretty pretty amazing to gloss over that whole kind of system that's in place that worked right and talk about all the things that could have gone wrong instead. Yeah, we we did acknowledge that on on our show uh, about the medical staff and the incredible job they did to save Demar Hamlin's life. I mean, they had to you know bring him back to life on the field and yep. under some really really difficult circumstances. So you know, I, I guess just you know my, my final thought on this before we move on and talk about Todd Helton is that you know if you want your kid to play football, that's great. And I, I played youth football. My son played youth football. You know, my only thing is from from experience. You know, maybe you think about letting your kid, you know, play flag until they're older, until they're maybe in, in middle school, maybe a freshman in high school. That's just that's just my take on it. But you should decide what you think's best for your kid. I'm not going to tell you what you should do or shouldn't do. But to turn this moment, this this outlier, it's a horrible outlier, but but an outlier nonetheless. And this is the reason why you don't don't want your kid to play football. And I think that's that's kind of silly. I mean, Deshaun Williams, yeah. which I respect, plays for the Broncos. He said his son will never play football. You know, and, and and Buckeye boy made the comment of, "Well, then if you're so concerned about it, why are you still playing?" And I'm, right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know criticize Deshaun Williams for his decision to play a guy that got cut multiple times and is kind of the the, the, the you know the example of stick-to-itiveness and, and keeping at it after getting you know cut time after time and and finally found a place for the Broncos. I just think you know let's let's not be overreactionary. Let's you know be be a little more thoughtful about this than just yep football's awful terrible horrible nobody should ever play it again because of one circumstance that happened that really we don't see happen. At least in my time I've watched, I've never seen happen. It's an outlier. No. So I, you know, that's that's how I kind of view it. I'm not trying to be dismissive of what Demar Hamlin's going through because the man's heart stopped. He, he he died on the field and they had to restart his heart. And and that's I mean that's a near you know near fatal moment that he, that happened. But that is like you know I referenced the the coach earlier today. I referenced the coach of the Alamosa girls basketball team. He fell off a ladder on New Year's Day and died. Mm-hmm. He was just on a ladder doing some work, fell off his ladder and died. I mean, people have horrible things that happen to them crossing the street, whatever the case may be. I think and you mentioned that, and so we're going to do away with everything from hockey to riding motorcycles, to NASCAR, to you name it, 
because there's some level of risk involved. I, you know, I just, I think it's kind of, it's overreactionary. It is. And, and I think, you know, I think the, the biggest thing is, is you spend, you spend your, your, your life, so to speak, not, not every waking hour, but you spend your life kind of training for, for what you want. Right. And, and that can evolve and it changes all the time, especially as you get older and you change, you know, you, you, you are unable to do things physically that you used to do. So you change to something else, a hobby or a passion or whatever. But, you know, for, for people playing sports, like I can think back to my baseball career and I injured my back when I was playing at, at Colorado Mesa and, and, you know, had to figure out whether I could even continue. And I have doctors tell me, I don't think you're ever going to be able to, to play again. You know, they didn't have the diagnosis, right? Thank goodness. But it was, it was not really an option for me. It was like, okay you can say that, but I'm going to figure it out. Right. Right. And you spend your time, you spend your, your, your lifetime kind of pursuing things like that. And injuries don't really play into it until you get to the moment within your own world that you say, all right, it's too much. I can't, I can't deal with this anymore. When I was 21 years old or whatever it was, I didn't feel that way. Like my, I can tell you right now that my back injury and my, my issues, they catch up to me in life now. And I go, man, maybe I wish I would have done something different or learned about it sooner or something like that. But back then I couldn't go right back to that place and go, there was no way. It didn't matter what they told me. I wasn't going to just give it up. There's no, no possible way. I wasn't going to do it. And that's because you spend your, your, life figuring out how to do it and how to do it at the highest level you can possibly do it. And so you're not going to let an injury or the possibility of an injury probably stop you from doing it unless you get to the place in your own brain that says it's too much. And, you know, for, for a lot of guys that, that does happen, you know, they do have career ending injuries where they go, it's too much. And for a lot of other people, they just look at it as, well, that's just the next hurdle, I guess, that I have to get over. So, you know, there's, it's, it's a totally a personal decision. It's not a, it's not a, we should ban playing this or nobody should do this. It's a personal decision. And, and it's exactly how everybody treats it, whether they know it or not. That's what they do. So, so Todd Helton, it's, it's, it's probably not going to happen this year. But it certainly looks good for 2024. Uh, Patrick Saunders in the Denver Post had a piece on um, the Hall of Fame voting right now. And uh, Ryan Thibodeau is the creator of the Baseball Hall of Fame Vote Tracker. Mm -hmm. And right now, at least, you know, the last time I checked it, you know, Todd Helton is, you know, is on track at the moment. Uh, You know, although there's still a lot of votes to be counted, but uh, he had around that 75% threshold, probably not going to stay there. But, um, but he's definitely trending for 2024. So I guess your take on this, because it seems like Larry Walker's induction has now knocked down the door or at least brushed aside the criticisms of playing at Coors Field, playing at altitude, what it does to offensive numbers. Because when you look at Todd Helton's numbers, when it comes to, you know, some of the road splits, uh, you know, the home and road splits as far as home runs, 
then it skews in favor of okay, it's it's altitude enhanced and and that's an issue. But you look at you know some of the slash lines, particularly the road slash lines, his numbers are are right there with a lot of guys that are in the Hall of Fame in terms of his slash yeah. number his slash numbers on the road. You know, and and so I mean that says a lot. I mean we're talking about Tony Gwynn, Al Kaline, Ricky Henderson, George Brett, Eddie Murray. Guys are in the Hall of Fame. His road slash numbers are right there with those guys. I, you know, I think there was a point that I wasn't sure he would ever get in. Larry Walker and his induction, I think, changed my mind on that. Todd still has more time than Larry does. Uh, Larry's in his tenth and final year when he made that, you know, incredible jump and in, in terms of votes to get in. But it's looking more like for one point, you know, it's Todd Helton. You know, are the, are the voters going to hold it against him? And they played at Coors Field. It seems like the numbers. The analytics are now kind of in his favor, backing up him being inducted, maybe not this year, but 2024 looks really, really good to get to that 75% threshold. Yeah, it really does. And, and it could happen this year. It doesn't, like you said, it doesn't appear like if you go by the trends of, of how it's gone in the past, probably not. I think he's sitting at about 78% right now. And I think he got like a hundred and Twenty-five hundred and thirty votes known, something like that. And there's always a, a, a large group of voters that don't make their ballots public, and, and so you know you can kind of count on those ones being a little more conservative or a little more stingy, so to speak. It seems like so. Uh, so it probably isn't going to happen, but I think you're right. I think it, it looks really looks really promising for next year. I think that the induction probably. Uh, of Scott Rowland this year will help. And that seems weird. You're like, it's a totally different player. It's not though. Like if you put those dudes in a mirror, like they're, they're just on opposite corners. That's yep, all they absolutely. are. They, 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 they are mirror images of one another because, uh, you know, they're, they're both super, just super gloves at the, at those corner spots, uh, you know, but kind of the kind of defense where you go, okay, yeah, you're not going to find anybody better than that, really. You know, I mean, obviously there's there's the outliers of the Arenados and, and things like that at third base, but Roland was as good as they get. So it's not Helton. And and so then you go to the the offensive numbers, and uh, they're there. I mean, are they are they are they perfect? Do they have this immaculate number where you're like, oh, you know, 400 home runs? No, they don't have that. Okay, uh, did they hit above you know 320 for their career? Like 20? No, they don't have that. But when you start comparing, like you said, and, and looking at a lot of guys that are in the hall already, you go, okay, yeah, there's there's actually some really good numbers. And then when you throw in on top of that, just what those guys meant to their franchises and their locker rooms, I don't think there's really question anymore. They're both Hall of Famers. They're they're outstanding. They were they were the the tops at their position at their peak. You did not want to face those guys in a clutch moment if you were playing against them. Uh, you wanted them on your team at all costs. If you could have them on your team, regardless of age and health and all those things, they're Hall of Famers. It's as simple as that. And the advanced analytics and, and like you said, the slash lines, I think, will help Todd Helton in the end uh, when people start looking at the Coors Field effect and start arguing a little bit heavier about him. But you know, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't care what anybody says. That's the definition of a Hall of Famer. He was so good. He was phenomenal to watch. If you were going against him, you hated him, except for the fact that you loved him. Like, that guy, I want that guy on my team. He's awesome. 
I don't want to face him, but man, I wish we had a guy like that on our team. And you say that about Scott Rowland too. So, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't, I don't see how it doesn't happen based on the numbers that he has going into, you know, the latter parts of the voting this year. So I hope it happens. I must say though, if, we're, if we back up a little bit, the, the reactions that I have emotionally to some of the ballots that I see, I, I didn't foresee that happening. I know there's a lot of idiots out there, but man, when you see a ballot that has like Bobby Abreu and Mark Burley and not Todd Helton or Scott Rowland, you're going, yeah. it just makes you angry. You're like, what is, who are these people? Why, why are yeah. you voting on the Baseball Hall of Fame? You obviously don't have a clue what you're looking at. Yeah, not that those two guys you referenced are bad players, but compared to Roland no. and, and Helton, those, those are two guys that are that are Hall of Fame, you know, corner guys that that, that should be in Cooperstown. I I agree with you on that. It angers me in, in ways that I did not expect. I just see it and I'm like, Whoa. well, before you I do something guy, rash, so. I mean, call me, okay? <laughs> before you do something crazy. No, call me. I, I I don't want to have to get that phone call to drive, you know, someplace and bail you out. I I just I don't want to have to to do that. That'd be a really really bad thing. That'd be a bad phone call. Uh, it would so, be a bad phone call. Oh, uh, I'm not going to make that one. Okay, good. Well, I, I, you're 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 too calm of a guy. I might do that. I, that sounds like something <laughs> I probably do. Uh, so one quick just acknowledgement here to wrap things up. Uh, Mile High Sports Magazine. They <laughs> uh, they had their end of the year edition, and I thought it was really cool that in the college coach of the year category that Mike DeGeorge, Colorado Mesa men's basketball coach, David Scaff, the uh, Maverick, you know, beach volleyball coach, they won a national championship that they were up for coach of the year. David Carl, the uh, hockey coach at DU. I mean, they, they won the national championship. It only seems fitting that, that they, you know, that David Carl would, would get that award, but it was kind of cool because they had Mike DeGeorge and David Scaff as finalists for that award. I uh, little representation from this side of the hill. Neither one of those guys won. Uh, Mike DeGeorge, we had him on our local show. He didn't even know he was up for it. <laughs> and so, and we told him on his birthday, I said, I wish I could tell you that you won. That would have been an awesome birthday present. But I just think it uh, it's pretty cool. It shows uh, how, um, how successful CMU athletics are and how successful those two guys have been. And David Scaff, congratulations to him, his wife. Well, more for her. She did the, the really heavy work. Uh, they had twins on New Year's Eve, by the way. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations to them. That's that's awesome. Uh, yeah, it, it's always nice to get that recognition, especially, you know, Colorado is such a unique state because because of the, the population density on the front range here. Just takes up all the headlines, whether they deserve it or not. It's just the market. That's the way it is. And, you know, you get used to it uh, when you're, when you're living on the, on the Western slope as a, as kind of one of those things that can just kind of be a burr in your saddle, but you get used to it because you know, it's going to happen. And they just don't always get the recognition they deserve. So when they do get it, uh, boy, it's, it, 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 it's a special deal because, you know, sometimes you think that people aren't paying attention and it doesn't matter. You do again, people do what they do because they want to. And, and you follow the teams that you like because, because you want to, and, and and so you don't worry about you know who's noticing, but uh, it it is so rare, it really is uh, quite rare to to get noticed, you know, noticed that way, and to get that kind of recognition in a sports magazine that, quite frankly, ninety nine point nine percent of the time is all about the front range. So, uh, you know, good good on them for for kind of 
doing their homework and figuring out which uh, which programs did the best and which programs deserve some recognition and and yeah it's a good deal i yeah. think uh, it's pretty it's pretty cool when that happens because honestly when you're living over here very rarely do i hear anything about you know the college programs the high school programs outside of the front range so uh, it's nice when you hear it and and you always kind of tip your cap to those that do spend a little time doing their homework and Mike, by the way, taking the Mavericks to their first ever uh, Division II uh, Sweet 16. So uh, we should mention that. Okay, very final final thing here. Very quickly. Okay. Who wins Monday? Georgia TCU. Who do you want to win? Who do you want to win? Who do you think will win? I think most people are rooting for TCU, aren't they? Like, I am. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with Georgia. I, hate Georgia. Fact, I think they're really, really good. That was an amazing game uh, against Ohio State. That was That was crazy. Uh, especially considering the, the, the TCU and Michigan game was on crack. Like, what was, I don't yeah. even know what that game was. It was nuts. It was bonkers. And you're like, oh, how are they going to top this? And then they do. It was like, whoa, this is, this is a good, uh, this was a good playoff this year. But yeah, I think, I think most people are rooting for TCU just on the, on the kind of little guy ticket, so to speak, even though TCU is not, you know, they've been, they've been good for quite some time, but, you know, taking out a defending national champion and pretty much everybody thought they were the ones that belonged to the least out of all those four teams. So yeah, I'll root for them. I like, I like the quarterback. I like, I like the, the coach. I like the, I like the horned frogs from the standpoint of they have a, they have a good following, a tight, tight knit group of fans that are, that are pretty rabid. And, you know, it's a, as far as Texas goes, what are they probably third or fourth on the list? So, you right. know, it's kind of fun to, to have a, a team like that in the, t- in the championship game. Yep. I'm rooting for Max Duggan and TCU. I think Georgia wins. I have a lot of respect for Kirby Smart. Stenson Bennett's been outstanding for them. But, uh, yeah, I think Georgia wins it again. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I, I really, really do. I think it'll be a lot of fun on Monday. Hey, Beetle, appreciate it. Thank you so much. Enjoy the weekend. Talk to you again soon. Uh, happy New Year again. Right back at you. This is the Davison Beetle Podcast.